0: everybody. We'll wait another minute or so to see who arrives. I like the sideways Allison that looked really good (laughs) yeah that's very creative. I hope you're not driving sideways, but <laughs> you may be. Uh, OK. So good evening, everybody. I'm Eugene Cash. This is a Sunday evening meeting of San Francisco Insight. Nice to see you all. Oh, Hi, Tam. And we got people from not in San Francisco. Um, Yeah, um, we'll sit for a half an hour, then there'll be a talk and then discussion. Uh, Please uh, find a posture that's as comfortable as possible where you can sit upright and alert as we establish an embodied awareness. So let your, let the awareness saturate your body for a moment. You can feel, sense, be aware of your body experientially. It's very helpful if you can sit on your sits bones so that there's an uprightness that begins at the base of the spine and goes all the way through the back of the neck. And then become aware of your breath, your body breathing. And notice the experience of the body breathing, the sensations that are created by your life's breath. whether it's at your nostrils or your chest or your belly or whether you're just aware of the whole body as it breathes. And we begin the meditation by establishing a sense of embodiment and breathing and aliveness. So this embodied awareness. That begins very naturally with the body and breath the sensations, the temperature of the body, warm or cool, any places of contact where your hands touch or your rear end touches, or the contact of your lips touching one another, or your eyelids, And of course, part of being embodied means that we're aware of any feelings or emotions that might be here. Whatever's come in with you. And you don't have to change or fix or get rid of or accentuate any emotion, but we want to be aware of this affective component of our liveness. We also want to include the mental component, the Thoughts or ideas or beliefs or opinions or desires that may be here. And you don't have to change them or get rid of them. We just want to relax being connected to them, attached to them, identified with them. We can be aware of thoughts, like feelings arising on their own, coming from nowhere, really. So we establish this embodied awareness that includes all of the phenomena that appears for living human beings. And we want to be aware of any of it, all of it. And when you feel here settled, composed, collected in the present moment, and remember, you don't have to do anything. You can simply let the awareness be aware of whatever is here. because we're not doing the awareness. We're simply beginning to rest in the present moment of aliveness that's already aware. letting yourself be very relaxed wherever you are in the schema of meditation in the unfolding of the meditative process, because you could stay with the breath or the body or any emotion or thoughts, or just be aware of awareness itself. in a very relaxed way, simply being here and being aware of being here. Appreciating the good fortune we all have to simply be here and relax and be aware. Um, mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> you. We have a few moments for announcements. Paul, I think you're doing announcements? Yeah. Great.
1: So,
2: good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Paul Irving. I am one of the board members at SFI. And I've been a member of this community now for about 20 years. It's really quite amazing when I think back wow, part of something that's so important to me for such a long time. So um, when we teach the introductory to meditation class, one of the exercises that we do that we ask participants to uh, to, uh, accept, to take on, is on the very first night, we ask them to identify three times every day during that first week, of when they experience someone offering generosity to them. It could be something big like a birthday gift or something just quite so simple and small like someone opening a door and holding it for you. So that's in the first week. And then the second week we ask them to notice when they have the impulse to be generous to somebody else. Not, not the act of generosity, not what they did, but that, that inclination of the heart. I'm telling you this because in my experience, it's generosity that really is at the, the heart of our practice. It's the softening of all of the ways that we think the world ought to be and rather being present with what's true right in this moment. And in doing that, it opens our hearts to allow that generosity to come forward. And there's this reciprocity of both giving and receiving and giving and receiving. And that's how this tradition has uh, survived for 2,600 years. This cycle of generosity of teachers offering the teachings to anyone who wants to listen and those who listen to offer generosity back. So um, we invite you if you so feel like you would like to um, extend that generosity to San Francisco Insight. There's a couple of ways to do it. One of the just most efficient ways in our capitalist society is to offer a donation of money. And you can do that by going to our website and we have a, um, a PayPal account, and you can donate that way. Um, I think Johnny is going to put in the chat the address for that. Um, you can also offer yourself your time. We have a caring committee, which has been set up specifically For people in the Sangha who have extraordinary needs, you know, someone who um, has just been in the hospital and needs someone to go get drugs for their, you know, go to the pharmacy to get their prescriptions for them or to take them to a follow up appointment, those kind of things. So you can also find information about that on our website. Uh, So that would be another way that you can offer generosity. Um, And so I, just want to share the, um, how grateful I am to you and to the long-term, um, the longevity of this sangha and for everything that it's offered to me. So thank you.
0: Great, thank you, Paul. Um, any other announcements? I have one. I think that's it, okay. I have a retreat, I'll be teaching at Spirit Rock. And I think, I'm not positive, but I think it still has a few, a couple openings. It's June 3rd through 10th. And uh, it's about uh, the, the awakening factor of investigation and inquiry. And it's with myself, it's with Aaron Treat, who's a good friend, teacher from Colorado and uh, Vinny Ferraro, who I think many of you know, Vinnie was part of the Dharma Punks world for many years and teaches um, still. And um, also with Syra Smith will be teaching with us, who's been teaching at the Wednesday, uh, excuse me, the Monday teaching at SFI. And also the movements by uh, Hakim, um, Tafari, who's, who's just a great good friend of mine who does great movement. So we should have some, you know, kind of Vipassana fun on this retreat. And please join us if you're interested. And... Uh, I'm to give a talk. I believe, Amy, this was your suggestion. Is that okay? I, I couldn't remember your name. I was like trying to find your name. <laughs> but great. So this was because I'd asked, and I'm still asking for people's suggestion about what you would like me to talk about. And Amy brought up this question about both and. And she said, oh, yeah, you always tell us to be mindful of the you know, breath, body, heart, mind, and then don't do anything. Like, you know, how do you do both? And how do, how do you, what is that? And how, can you speak more about it? At least that's how I heard you. And, um, and for me, it's about the paradox of learning to be. And what I mean by that is that we're, we have to do some things in order to not do anything and just be. We have to learn how to be. And of course I could say to you, you know, just be. And great, if you know what that means, then you're good. But if you don't know what that means, if you haven't um, uh, imbibed that through growing up in this country, at this time, in this world, then it generally takes some learning about how to be, how to be a human being, not just the human doing. And so partly it's, it's about what does it mean to both uh, do and be at the same time? right? How to function organically. Even right now, I want to ask you to be, just be, don't do anything, but be aware. That's, that's the only be I'm going to ask of you, be aware. And of course, we've, I've talked about it many times, you can't stop being aware. But here, we want to get more comfortable, more familiar with ourselves being aware, which we already are. And so even now, be aware of your body, which is right here, while you're listening. Just like I'm going to be aware of my body, as well as heart and mind, which I want you to include your hearts and minds, as you're listening. And I'm going to be aware of my body, heart, and mind as I'm speaking. And so I've been reflecting on this talk about, which I'm calling the paradox of living the Dharma, both and. And then I realized when I looked at my calendar, it's Mother's Day. So uh, uh, does anybody here uh, have a a, a mother's? Yeah, so we're getting, Amy's getting excited. Anybody here ever have a mother? Like, right, like all of us. It's a really beautiful thing to honor mothers and, and what that is to be a mother and to be um, aware of that amazing uh, component. But of course, if I would have looked at the calendar, I would have given a Mother's Day talk. But I was excited about what Amy had suggested. So I, I, I had programmed this talk. And I thought about what to do. And, and of course, it's the same practice. So I, I'm following the practice of being mindful, body, heart, mind, and then relaxing. And then seeing where the understanding of what to do about Mother's Day comes from. Because it wasn't just like, oh, I just you know thought it out. I just relaxed and let myself be. And then I realized, of course, I can include Mother's Day in this talk about being. Because mothers learn a lot. And they learn a lot very quickly about the paradox of both doing and being. And and I had the good fortune, of a friend of mine, really one of my oldest friends, I've been friends with him since I was, I believe 15, sent me, uh, and he's a photographer and an artist, and we keep in touch, we send emails. Uh, you know, once or twice a year. And he sent me an email about a talk he'd heard because he likes Buddhism and he likes Buddhist talks. And he sent me a talk. Uh, it was actually Krista Tippett on on being, on being the show, on being with Krista Tippett. And uh, it was about the paradox of uh, having babies and being a mother. And she had an old Sylvia Borstein talk on her, program this week for Mother's Day. And so, and and you know, I'm old friends with Sylvia, but I don't tend to listen to her talks because I've heard plenty of them. And, you know, but I I thought, okay, I'll listen a little bit, see what did did my friend Todd like? And what was interesting is she said, uh, Sylvia talked about how a student at Spirit Rock said to her, that when the student became pregnant, everybody said, congratulations, great, 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 great. Everybody was very enthusiastic. And the woman continues and said, and when I had the baby, everybody said, congratulations, great, 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 great. And the woman goes on and says, nobody told me that I had at that point mortgaged my heart from the entire rest of my life. Nobody told me I had at that point mortgaged my heart for the entire rest of my life because my happiness now depends on this baby being well and healthy and nothing bad happening to it. Nobody tells you that. They don't say when when they hear, they don't say, "Uh uh-oh, brace yourself. They say, congratulations, because you know, it's both. It is congratulations, and this is Sylvia speaking now. It is congratulations, it's the most amazing thing we can do, uh, as we've said, to create a new life that comes out with fingernails and eyelashes and all its fingers and toes. And it's an amazing thing, and it's extremely awakening in the sense of knowing how vulnerable we are. But they don't say, when you hear, they don't say, "Uh uh-oh, brace yourself. Because, and it does, and what it means is it opens us to our vulnerability. At the same time, there's this great love that comes uh, in parenting. And I'm not, and of course, I always feel like I have to say this these days, but of course, I'm not saying every parent has exactly the same experience but I'm speaking archetypically about what it means to parent and give birth and have a relatively healthy baby and love that baby, which is the optimal parenting that we all hope we have or that we're able to give to our children if we have children. And so we're we're learning to open to the totality of our experience with this both and practice, to the totality of our experience, both and includes a kind of equanimity. And I was reflecting on it as I was out and about early this morning, taking my early walk, and it was really, it was very uh, cold and uh, early this morning, like, you know, San Francisco cold, let me be clear about that, meaning 48. And, uh, and, uh, and I was walking towards the ocean, so it was windy and the wind was just blowing at me and it was very unfriendly. But the day was still gorgeous, even though it was not just, it didn't just feel great. And so it was both and, it was uncomfortable, it was a little unfriendly, it felt like the weather and it was, and it was beautiful. And of course I was walking back and when I'm walking back, I have the wind at my back, and it's like, oh, it's no problem anymore. Now the wind's at my back; I'm not even thinking about it. And all of a sudden, and and in in the park, and here in the park in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, we have a decent amount of coyotes. And so I and there, and there was this big coyote right in front of me, you know, like twenty feet away, totally relaxed. Like this coyote was relaxed; he was. He or she, I don't know, or they, however they identify, it. they're walking across the street in a very relaxed way, and and uh, and then going into the uh, grassy part, and then weaving their way around, and and uh, and it's just so beautiful and and wild to see the coyote, and then I'm also watch my mind. I'm like, oh, I want to make sure to tell my uh, wife who goes out with her little dog, not to let the dog off the leash this morning right around where we live because there's this big coyote there and the coyotes really are friendly with these little bitty dogs because they think they're squirrels. They're not thinking this is Pam's dog or anything. And uh, actually I saw a coyote get a squirrel recently. It was like, whoa, it's, it's wild. And there's something beautiful about being with the wildness of reality. And it was, it's, even though it was a little like, uh, I felt very um, compassionate for the squirrel, but it was wild to watch what coyotes do and how they survive and how they've managed to survive even in the city of San Francisco. And so, again, the paradox of loving the wild and also being nervous about it in terms of, you know, the little dog. And so it starts, the teachings start to point us at the vastness of what it means to be conscious, to be aware, and the kind of presence that can arise when we're here. When we're here, when we do the mindful body, heart, mind, and then we relax and don't do anything. The presence of, of awareness itself. And I uh, also, somebody, uh, a fr- friend of mine, a woman named Cynthia Luna, who's a Mexican-American woman, friend of mine. Um, and she said, she wrote a poem. She, she, she said, said, oh, she had asked me what I was teaching and I told her, she said, well, I have a good poem for you. I said, send it to me, and she did, and I like it, so I'm going to include it. In the poem, it says, Cynthia Luna wrote, I want to live undone, I want to live undone like the river flows held by grace at every turn. I want to live undone like the river flows held by grace at every turn. And Cynthia is pointing at the beauty and the magic and the mystery of being alive and conscious and present, and going with the flow of reality that carries us. Another another example I thought of when I was reflecting on this is Wabi Sabi. And some of you may know, Wabi Sabi is a worldview from Japan, a worldview centered on the acceptance of transience and imperfection, both. And the uh, aesthetic uh, described as appreciating beauty that is imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete in nature. And so you'll see, and if you've been to Japan or even here at the Japanese Tea Garden, uh, there's a little rock garden, and right, it's a garden made of all rocks, right, and it's gorgeous, but it's not perfect, and it's again that that uh, magic or mystery of the uh, beauty of things that are not perfect. And actually, I thought of um, what happens with uh, Tibetan Buddhist sand paintings, that the monastics will create these gorgeous mandalas of colors and shapes, I mean, very refined, all made out of sand. And then at the end, they sweep it all up and put it into an urn because it's, it's impermanent and it's imperfect and it's never done. But wabi-sabi, there's a quote I I read from a a person, Leonard Korn, who said, wabi-sabi is exactly about the delicate balance between the pleasure we get from things and the pleasure we get from freedom from things. Wabi-sabi is exactly about the delicate balance between the pleasure we get from things and the pleasure we get from freedom from things. And that's a beautiful, beautiful, profound paradox, what he says here about freedom and about the truth, that we can enjoy, delight in, uh, love things, and then we can also recognize the pleasure of being free of things of not holding on to anything because we know and we learn in the dharma as you've all seen we can't actually hold on to anything and so it begins to that kind of um, uh, perspective of like wabi-sabi begins to open us to the mystery of things, right? And I think I, we sent out the quote from the Lankavatara Sutra, from the Mahayana Buddhist tradition that says, things are not what they seem, nor are they otherwise. It's just the deepest dharma. I always feel like I should just stop right there. Things are not what they seem, nor are they otherwise it's all so magical. It's all here. And it's, it's all not exactly here the way we think it's here. There's so much more to reality than what we think it is. And in the Zen tradition, they talk about both and slightly differently, but same beginning to point at the mystery, a story about a disciple asks the master, what can I do to get enlightened, right? That's a legit question, right? I, I believe we all keep asking that, what can I do to get enlightened or more enlightened or better enlightenment? And the master says to the student, uh, what, when the student says, what can I do to get enlightened? The master says, about as much as you can do to make the sun rise, Okay. About as much as you can do to make the sun rise. And the disciple says, Then why am I doing all these practices? Right? Why am I being, I'm, I'm adding on here now, what, why am I being mindful of the breath, the body, the feelings, the thoughts, the perceptions, the where, you know, why am I doing all these practices? And the master says, So that you can be awake when the sun rises. Right, and that's part of the paradox that Amy was pointing at about you keep telling us to do, you know, all these practices, and then you say don't do anything, right? So you can be there when you don't do anything, and it begins to open more and more to the mystery of being. Zen also has another piece that I like uh, that are called the four propositions. And the four propositions are about a a Buddhist analysis of the possibilities of the nature of reality, right? Like I didn't even know we had this, but but I found that in Zen, right? It's a Buddhist analysis of the possibilities of the nature of reality. And the first um, uh, proposition, right, of these four propositions, the first proposition is that there is existence. And the second proposition is there is non-existence. And the third proposition is there is both existence and non-existence. And of course, the fourth proposition is there is neither existence nor non-existence. Right? So that's really, right, like, give me a break, right? It's part of it's like, okay. And and it's shorthanded this way. They shorthanded is as it is, it isn't, it both is and isn't, it neither is nor isn't, right? And this is saying something about reality that they're pointing out the nature of reality. And of course, this Second part, the shorthand, it is, it isn't, it both is and isn't, it neither is and isn't. Somebody added a fifth, and the fifth is none of the above. Right. And then you you start to you start to see how not knowing is part of practice, and we learn. We we know so much, and we learn by not because we don't know everything, and we're always still learning. And what awakening means, what realization means, what freedom means, at a certain point is really discovering, understanding, seeing more of the Dharma, of the truth, of the mystery and magic of reality. And I saw. Um, um, a translation of the Tao Di Ching from Stephen Mitchell. And the, the, the Tao precedes Buddhism, but had a heavy, big impact, especially in China on Buddhism, like Buddhism came out of the Tao. And, and many of you know, one of the great um, teachings in Buddhism is the Xin Xin Ming, Which goes, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences, right? And that, uh, and so much, and it's a beautiful teaching. I encourage you all to look it up sometime. It's, and it's so much of it comes out of the Tao. And so I'm going to read to you a little from Stephen Mitchell, his version, his translation of the Tao. And you start to hear the mystery and the beauty of this question that Amy brought up. And Stephen translates, he says, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that cannot be named is not the eternal name. The unnameable is the eternally real. Naming is the origin of all particular things. Free from desire, you realize the mystery caught in desire, you see only the manifestations, yet mystery and manifestations arise from the same source. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that again before I go on. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The unnameable is the eternally real. Naming is the origin of all particular things. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. Caught in in desire, you see only the manifestations. Yet mystery and manifestations arise from the same source. This source is called darkness. Darkness within darkness. The gateway to all understanding. It's a beautiful, beautiful understanding darkness. Darkness is, at least in my mind, one of the metaphors for awakening is darkness. Is going into the dark, right? Going into the unknown, going into the unmanifest into darkness. And I have, what else? I have one more, I'll, I'll have a little more. This is from a German theologian, philosopher, mystic from the 11th century. So it's a very different tradition. But he's, uh, he's very uh, well-known, many people, not everybody, but many people know Meister Eckhart uh, because he was a famous mystic. And he had a lot of the church at that time had difficulty with him meaning they didn't like what he was saying, but this is a quote from him. And he's talking about God. He says, every truth without exception, no matter who makes it, is from God. And we we might say the Dharma, but he's using God, right? Different time, place, culture, religion. Every truth without exception, no matter who makes it, is from God. If a bird got accused of singing too early in the morning, if a lute began to magically play on its own in the square and the enchanting sounds of it drove a pair of young lovers into wild public display of passion, if this lute and bird then got called before the Inquisition and their lives were literally at stake, could God not walk up and say before the court, all acts of beauty are mine, all acts of beauty are mine, all happen on behalf of love. And while God was there testifying for our heart's desires, hopefully the judge would be astute enough to brave a question that would go, dear God, you say all acts of beauties are yours. Surely we can believe that, but what of all actions we see in the world, for is there any forest in existence greater than the power of your omnipresent hand? And God might have responded, I like that question, adding, may I ask you one as well? And then God would say, have you ever been in a conversation when children entered the room and you then cease speaking because your wisdom knew they were not old enough to benefit, to understand. As exquisite as your world is, most everyone in it is spiritually young. As, as exquisite as your world is, most everybody in it is spiritually young. Spirituality is love and love never wars with the minute, the moment, the day, oneself and others. Love would rather die than maim a limb, a wing. Dear, anything that divides human from human, earth from sky, light from dark, one religion from another, oh, I better keep silent. I see a child just entered the room. So I know that's a very long and somewhat complicated quote, but what he's saying, what God's saying is, we don't recognize the beauty of all, of all of it, and the love that's here, and the love that's really underneath everything. And that that it's hard to see if we're not totally awake in my language, how I would say it, not hard, not easy to see the humanness and the heart that's underneath all, even the worst actions that people do because they wanna survive or they think they're not gonna survive or that there's something they need to do to be okay by having power over others, that there's a love of life underneath all of that. It's a little bit my interpretation of Meister Eckhart. And then one last thing, which is much simpler and more Buddhist from Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Vietnamese master, teacher, bodhisattva, he said, we shouldn't allow relative truth to imprison us and keep us from touching absolute truth. We shouldn't allow relative truth to imprison us and keep us from touching absolute truth. Looking deeply into relative truth, we penetrate the absolute. relative and absolute truths inter-embrace. And he's again pointing out that, oh yeah, we do all this to see the non-doing that's right here, the beauty that's right here, the love that's right here. And it's not one or the other. It's both that we're aware of and we're paying attention to. So those are a few thoughts about both and. And if you know, I'd love to hear from you, whatever you might think, say, feel. Was that uh, any questions, any comments? What was interesting? What wasn't interesting? Did that help at all, Amy? Uh, Of course, you don't have to be the only one who answers. Anybody can respond. I'll uh, I'll
3: say something super quick that that wait wait wait
0: wait wait (laughs) wait wait wait. i want to switch to speaker view when people talk go ahead hi
3: i just wanted to chime in really quick and say that was completely excellent and and met all my um ideas of what could possibly stem from this idea. Um, And then I also want to say at the very end, I have another, another um, possible idea for
1: talk, but I'll (laughs) tell you at the end.
3: Okay. Tell me
0: at the end. Okay, but good. Your ideas are good. I like your ideas. Thank you. Okay. Oh, Amy. We've got two Amy's.
3: Yeah. So I'm not the Amy who (laughs) had this. (laughs) Right. Wonderful idea. Um, I'm at San Francisco Zen Center. I'm at City Center. Oh, really? And and you have just given me the most Zen talk I think I've heard. <laughs> um, and and I sort of raised my hand quickly because I feel like my understanding is like an optical illusion. You know, the face in the vase. It's like it comes and it goes, and it. So my biggest difficulty has been in seeing a, a point of view that i held without realizing it that that i was for 50 years searching for an ultimate truth seeking for a reality that because it was unknown and mysterious somehow i made it unknowable and sort of put it out there like a God. Mm -hmm. And um, in the tradition I was in, it was called real eye. So we have, you know, our imaginary conventional self and then this other thing, which then got beyond, um, I mean, all I could see was my lack of connection with it. Um, And I've had some intellectual insight about that but my question now is that I still can feel that if I don't have the um sensation of struggle uh I feel like I'm asleep I'm dreaming uh, you know what? I'm, that yeah, yeah 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 okay then I'm gonna stop if you got me so on.
0: so okay so Why don't you just dream?
3: Because my deepest intention is to be my most intimate, awake, aware self. And I don't feel I can waste time either.
0: Right. Uh, okay, that all makes sense. But I'm, I'm, what I'm pointing you at is how can you relax about the idea that you're dreaming? Because you're not dreaming. You're right here.
3: But to spend hours lost in...
0: In what? Sleep. Yeah, well, I think it's really good to sleep personally. I like to sleep. At I night? Take naps every day. I take naps during the day too. I, like no, I don't mean that kind of
3: sleep. You know yeah, I mean. okay.
0: Well, I'm suggesting that you're aware that you're asleep. So you're not asleep.
3: Sometimes, yes. Sometimes I can watch and uh-huh. I see, right? The thoughts are rising, the... The feelings, the tensions, the but other times, no, I don't see when I fall asleep and spend hours
0: Uh away. So what can you do to relax about it so that you can be diligent, which I see, I hear your diligence and, and I know you, I know it's here, but the hardness or harshness is not helpful.
3: It's and not so, it right. so harsh with my body in particular.
0: Yeah. So and I, I would really like to support you not being harsh with yourself, body, heart, or mind. And, and of course, you know, and I know you well enough to know, you know, a lot about how to inquire. And so part of your inquiry is about why are you being harsh with yourself that you can do on your own? And keep looking at what are the causes and conditions that have put that in place. I mean, this incessant
3: belief system that even my moments of being in my body, in the present moment, foot on the floor, have to be leading to something.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's that's a very uh uh, it's a funny way to say it, capitalistic way to think about it. It's very mechanical way to think about awakening. Mm-hmm. And it's very normal. I don't mean it's just you. We all think, oh yeah, if I do A, B, C, D, E, then F will happen. And why isn't F here yet? And how much do I have to pay to, for E to get to F? Mm-hmm. And I'm making a slightly different suggestion for you to uh, to um, relax and just be here because your heart's already here.
3: It's getting more open from my being in this um, safe, brave space of Sangha. That's, that's just helped me enormously
0: that's part of the beauty of sangha and the power of sangha is we don't do it alone and i'm glad you're at zed center are you there for a while
3: yeah so yeah yes yeah. coming up in the next few weeks pardon something special is happening in the next <laughs> few weeks
0: yeah so pam weiss will be teaching at zed yeah, center in the next few that. weeks so so and she's very excited about it. So I'm sure you and you're doing the Xin, Xin Ming, which is just fantastic. But yeah. don't tell don't tell her I said that if she hasn't told anybody yet.
3: No, she and, she said with
0: oh, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. okay well, have a have a great retreat. Bye.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Sure. Uh,
0: take care. Okay, Jim. Yes, thank you.
4: Hi, Jim. Hi, Eugene, and everybody, and to all the mothers, happy Mother's Day. Um, Yeah, I liked your talk, and I want to share just a personal experience that I had. So, my mother passed 12 days ago. Mm. And
0: how old was she?
4: She was a young 85. We were not, Mm. yeah, we were not expecting her to go. nor nor was she and this is really kind of what i wanted to address is right even to the very end she was and she died in hospital before she was supposed to go into hospice that day and she didn't even make it into hospice but she would tell everybody she was fussy and she was feisty these were her her favorite words to characterize herself and right up until maybe an hour before she passed Hour and a half, yeah, I'm saying an hour. She was complaining, criticizing, wanting to change things, very unaccepting. Um, she like her favorite um um Hans Christian Anderson uh, book, I think is The Princess in the Pea. The fact that this princess could feel a pea, despite there being a whole bunch of mattresses underneath her between her and the pea. This was like the ideal for my mother. And I was with her for some several weeks just watching this decline and watching all her beliefs her causes and conditions come out and her wrestle with them and how it manifest manifested with the people she was around but much like or at least the the way I saw it much like ananda in the last few minutes of her life Uh she let go like a pro Uh he let go completely like i'd never seen such grace Uh and peacefulness and uh confidence no fear whatsoever um and it was a beautiful you know and tremendously sad thing to behold but so beautiful and Uh and i do see why in the buddhist tradition we we study practice around try to experience death because it it points or or is connected to all these things you talked about today um and it was probably and, and so now i'm like if you get a chance <laughs> to be with somebody when they die i highly recommend it it's
0: absolutely worth it great so yeah that's and my thank you Mother day you know, contribution what's your mother's name her name was patty Patty, we're all wishing you well, Patty, wherever you are right now, keep being feisty and complaining. It doesn't matter (laughs) where you are, be yourself. And uh, really, and enjoy, you know, because it sounds like she really let go, as you pointing at, and which uh, almost all of us will do no matter what. And sometimes it's more gracious than others. But We can't hold on to life, actually. There's no, it's just not possible. And so coming into harmony with the Dharma, meaning the way things are, Mm. is freeing. And it's why I mean, he did it
4: in the last yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she was I a pro it. at
0: not doing it, and she finally did it. Yeah, but I, I, I did a, a number of years of hospice work, and I've seen people die in different ways. And almost everybody at the end learns to relax at some point, and, mm-hmm. and it's great. But it's and and so I what I really appreciate is you're saying if you can be with someone who dies do it because you see something about the magic of reality, like they were here and then they're gone and mm-hmm. it's wild. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Mother's Day and giving birth. If you can ever be with somebody who's giving birth, if you have the good fortune, it's so wild. I mean, I you know, and I had the good fortune to watch my daughter be born and, mm-hmm. and come out of her mother. And it's like- It's like magic. It's, total wild how did that, that happen <laughs> really and i even know how that happened but it's still it's still wild yeah. thank you okay. thank you ali hi thanks eugene thanks eugene, for sharing that story with us
5: uh, that was a great talk which and eugene, uh, eugene I, I appreciate it as you were talking uh book that I read a while back came to me, which is uh, probably you know about it, is a, a psychoanalytic book from Karen Horne. And the title, I think, I think she kind of like nails it about the, what you were talking about, I think, is uh, towards from pe- towards people and away from the people. So that's just the mm-hmm. title of the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: I think that's what she's referring to some, you know, it's just like that being and then, then we just like recluse back to ourselves and I think perhaps right effort is like that that's what that description of the right effort that can't be meaning in. uh, that meaning of it also and i'm wondering during especially during the pandemic time that most of us, you know, uh, a little over two years have been inside with ourselves and whatnot and. uh, that uh, away from people and then now we're going towards people I, I just wanted to just share those and see if you can expand in any of those things
0: that... Uh, I, don't know, I don't know the Karen Horneid book, but I'm listening to you in the title about towards people and away from people. Yes. And that's just part of the um, uh, the um, flow of conventional reality as we go towards and away and towards and away of everything. And so it's part of what it's in the realm of what we're speaking to, but we're also speaking to what's beyond going towards or away. Mm-hmm. Right? So when I and, go
5: away, then I know how to be with people when I'm with people.
0: Right? No, no. But then there's uh, but what I'm pointing at and what we're talking about with the both hand is exactly what you're saying yeah you go away so then we know how to be with and we and we're with and then we learn how to be away but there's something beyond that also beyond away or towards self which which tough. is which is was pointed at in the in the uh, zen thing of of it's uh not this not that neither uh, both this and that neither this and that Right. And that's, I'm pointing at the, the last, the neither. It's not, it's not away or it's not towards. We just be and let being do itself.
5: And then, yeah, as, as you were talking, it came to me that sometimes, you know, when I'm even with people, I'm not really with them.
0: Right. You know, well, you know. can, you, but can you be with them and not with them at the same time? In a good way. <laughs> yeah, I'll, keep, yeah. I'll keep, keep looking. Keep playing with it. I keep will. relaxing with it. Okay, take Thank care. You. You're welcome. Uh Kason. Is that how you say your name?
6: Yeah, yeah, it is. Hi. Uh, oh, hi. I'm I'm, uh, I'm tuning in from San Diego, and um, I'm great. I just wanted to say that I um. I heard you. Uh, I, or I, uh, I attended your Zoom talk back in in February for the Durango Sangha, and since then, I've been uh, tuning into this uh, Sangha as I can, uh, trying to catch you. And uh, I'm just Great. so glad, so so glad to hear you again. Uh, really enjoyed the teaching.
0: Great, thank you. What what did you enjoy about it?
6: Um, well. I, I can I can relate to some of the other comments about this uh, self-imposed pressure to constantly um, <laughs> constantly figure things out. And uh, I mean, I, I I I vacillate in seriousness of my practice. And when I am serious, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna put all this into action. And it's you know, I mean, I um i think the opportunity for me is to do less of that and to just um like, like you say just kind of be okay with with being and and exploring uh-huh. the the let, let, letting some of the mystery be there um yes. versus um uh versus the type a uh constant seeking i guess
0: right yeah no great and that's really important for uh, many of us is to relax our getting there because where we're getting there where we're where we're going is where we already are that's the paradox i mean what we seek uh i'm trying to remember who said that might've been St. Francis, but I can't remember it. What you are, what you seek is a beautiful quote. You are, it's right here. It's right. I mean, I'm, I'm pointing at you and it's like, I'm looking at you and it's right here. The, the beauty, the goodness, the love, the, the care, the, uh, the wisdom is here. And we just wanna keep, let it unfold itself. Right, and and it does take some work, but it also takes not working too much. Took me many many years to learn how to not work too much at meditation. I was so good at being really um, macho about it. I was a macho meditator. I was <laughs> like, no, nobody could sit longer than me. That's how I. That was the thing, if anybody sat longer than me, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get up from the retreat, I'd, I'd wait. And then, you know, and finally I realized, what, who, who cares how long anybody sits? That's not the goal, but, but I had that kind of capitalistic, get more, do it, bigger, better, you know, slightly male, macho way of thinking. And uh, and 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 then when that relaxes, like oh my god, it's so freeing not to be bound by those kind of beliefs and ideas. Right. Okay. okay. Who else? We still have a few minutes. Who's never spoke here, but wants to speak today? Or who's only spoke here once, or twice, or 14 times and wants to speak? <laughs> or maybe we're done. Oh, there we go, Alison, are you is raising your hand? Okay. Hi, Allison.
7: Hold hi, on. hi, everybody.
0: Uh-oh, I'm trying to get you on speaker view now. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Allison. And I, Gary, I can, can I can you, hear you fine. Yeah, you can relax. Okay. That.
7: Um, I just had to share with. I don't know if you can see. I am I at Fort.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm you're at, at Fort Point. I'm
7: at Fort Point. Uh, I and it's a Fort magical. Point. Extraordinary day and I was appreciating the wabi-sabi chains Uh which are just so wonderful and rusty and beautiful and representative of their actual age and I've thought so much about age and acceptance and curiosity around you know being an age and Uh I really appreciated everybody's everybody's being this evening. And this yeah. Mother's Day and what that we don't really actually know what mothers are. I think we need to ask them and what they mm. want to be and what motherhood is going to be without choice. What oh,
1: yeah.
7: these things are right that we don't know. And we have to have, I think, great humility around just about everything right now. And mm. there's definitely some comfort in knowing that somebody's wonderful mom could let go and be in grace in their moments and have joy, be met Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. I'm just so appreciative of the possibilities inside the possibilities, inside the mystery, inside the Sangha, inside this Dharma, this, yeah.
0: So thank you. Well thank, well, thank you. No, it's all great what you said. I mean, every piece of it from just being at Fort Point, where I almost got arrested in Fort Point recently, not too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even doing anything so bad, but but it was it was at night. And you're not supposed to park down there at night, and I didn't know it. It's okay. the 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 policewoman was actually very kind to us and didn't even pull out a gun or anything. <laughs> no, the policewoman was fine. She was just doing her job and told us and you know, but she didn't she didn't come after us because we were about we were quite a far distance away from the car by the time we saw her with her lights on around our car. And, uh, but I also love Fort Point. I swam from Fort Point to Marin one time in the Bay. And uh, what's the
7: rim. I'm looking at Alcatraz. What's the rim.
0: What do you mean the rim?
7: Oh, I thought you said you swam from Marin.
0: Oh, to Marin, yeah, to Marin. 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 I you heard know of Marin. The
7: rim. Oh
0: yeah. Yep. Well, we don't we don't talk about that place that's north of San Francisco too much, but uh, but uh, and and also what you also bringing in about mothers and now the current uh, world uh, difficulty that's may may maybe happen hasn't happened yet of the of the um, you know Roe versus Wade. Uh, Supreme Court decision that may be coming and we'll see what happens and we'll deal with it when it comes. Because I remember before there was Roe versus Wade, right? I'm old enough to remember before that. And it was a big deal about getting abortions before that because you had to pay money and it was illegal and etc., etc. And so there's a lot you've brought in that we can then contemplate as we go forward from this uh, doing and not doing life because we do want to do some things even though we want to do them from our hearts even if it's a fierceness that we want to bring from our hearts. Thank you. Okay. Heather, you're going to have to be quick. We have about one minute, Heather. So please, uh, could we see you, Heather? Where'd you go, Heather? Heather? No, that's Hi. Allison. Hi. Where are you, Heather? Uh, I have my video. There you on. are. I don't okay. Now it's, I now, now it's working now. I see you. Okay, very quickly. Um, I lived in San Francisco for 10 years and I live in Ohio now. I had oh, to yeah. move because I had children
1: uh-huh.
0: and we couldn't afford to live there anymore. Yeah. My husband yeah. has family here in Ohio. Where so in Ohio? Where, I'm where? in Columbus. Columbus, okay. I yeah. grew up in Detroit, so I know a little about Ohio. But okay. So um, I just want to say, uh, thank you so much for doing this on Zoom, because I miss Sangha so bad. There is mm. no insight meditation here. I've looked for it, and I have to drive
7: it very far away, mm. and I'm a mom. I don't have a ton of time, so I just want to say
0: thank you so much, and especially since you brought up, you know, the recent
2: <laughs> possibilities with the um,
1: right. with all
2: of the... <laughs> Supreme um, Court, the Supreme Court. Yeah, sorry to just fumble over myself. It's okay. Um, just relax.
0: I, Either way, we can go I over feel, a minute or two.
2: I feel very alone here. And I just, mm. I just am so grateful to be a part of this sangha again. So yeah. thank you.
0: Well, we well, we'll slow down. We're, we're happy you are a part of the sangha and have never stopped being part of the sangha. And it's is—it's one of the magics of reality that we can do sangha like this now, right? Because uh, we all remember before, we never, nobody ever did Zoom as, you know, but that's part of our reality now. And it's a a good part of our reality. And I want you to, oh, there you are. I want you to, there. Um, And so um, don't leave us. And we won't leave you, right? We're here. And uh, yeah, that's all. And uh, the Midwest is great. It's not California, but it's great. And uh, I mean, sometimes I've thought about moving back to Detroit because I love Detroit and Detroit was a great place when I grew up there. And I know it's turning into a great place again. And I'm really happy about what's possible where there are human beings who care about what's true. Okay, we'll see you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, Amy, do you wanna do your last your suggestion and then we'll stop?
6: Do you, do you wanna close out and I can tell you after?
0: Sure, let's do it that <laughs> just way. Just so that let's I don't do have to hold way. anyone up. Okay, yeah, thank you. Okay, everybody. So we'll do a little sharing of merit and then we'll end. Uh, just appreciating our good fortune to be here together on Zoom from all around the country and all around the world and all around reality too because, you know, who knows where we are in our hearts and minds at this moment because you could be anywhere. And uh, may our good fortune, God, in every direction, touching beings in every realm, in every world, may all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings awaken. May we awaken and discover our true nature, our Buddha nature, the nature that is characterized by Love and kindness. Hold on a second. I'll look and see who's going to be here next week because I'm not. Actually, I think it's Frank Ostasewski, but I'm not positive. Let me see. Might be Cyrus Smith. It's one or the other. Oh, I got to go to calendar and find it. Um. Yeah, Frank Asceseski, good friend of ours, founder of the Zen Hospice Project. He'll be here next week. I'll see you in a few weeks. Everybody, please stay healthy, well. We get to wave now. Thank you.
6: <laughs> Thank you. Good night, Thank everyone. Good
0: night. good night. Good night. Thank you. Thanks, Gene.
4: Thanks, Thanks you, everybody. Jean. Have a good week. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Gene. Thank. Thank, Thank you, all. Thank
0: you, Gene. Thank, thank you, Jean. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you, thank Jean. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you, Sangha. Yeah, thank you, Sangha. Happy belated, Jean. Thank, thank you, John. Oh, happy for birthday. Helping. Who's bir- Oh, my birthday. Oh yeah, I had a birthday. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: getting older. Okay, everybody, good night. Good night. Night, Night all. Should
6: I stop recording?
0: Yeah, you can stop recording. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Johnny.
6: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.